All right. Well, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here, especially if you're new. Thanks for being here with us today. It is wet and nasty outside. My sump pumps are running 24-7, and it stresses me out all the time. And so, uh, but we're glad you guys are here. If you're new, like I said, stop by the Welcome Center. Uh, grab a gift just for being here uh, with us today. And so uh, you are in a great place if you're new or if you haven't missed a couple weeks. We're in this series called New, and we're talking about new life in Christ and what this looks like. And we've been looking at some different ideas and thoughts throughout this. One quick announcement, uh, and most of you guys aren't affected by this. Um, as you can tell, Journey is continuing to grow. Uh, Sundays at 10 and 11.15 are just getting full. And so as you come in, if you can make space for guests and stuff, and we're trying to figure out the best way to accommodate um, everybody. One announcement, though, that's going to sound kind of silly after what I just said is for right now we are having to postpone our Thursday services. Uh, we love the Thursday crowd. It's, it's one of, I love all the crowds. It's one of my favorite crowds, uh, but we've had some staffing things and some turnover and so we're trying to figure that out. We hope to bring those back uh, by Easter, uh, but as we continue to grow, we're going to have to add another service at some point and we're figuring that out, so be patient with us. Um, or if you somebody just wants to donate a million dollars, I'll build a building right here and we can <laughs> we can be done. And uh, But uh, so, no, seriously, uh, we are gonna postpone that for now. We do hope to bring those back at least by Easter, um, but just if you come on Thursdays, we're so glad, but we need to figure some things out. So all that said, download the Journey app. Everything you need is on there. There's a parent meeting after the service, uh, not this service, but the later service. You can come back. Lunch is provided if you have any questions about student ministry. So all that to say, to get into this. So here's the question I want us to all think about today um, is this, and maybe you've never pondered this question, but I would like to encourage you to, and here it is. What is the most important thing to you right now? What is actually the most important thing to you right now? So for some of us, as we're going into the new year and we're kind of reprioritizing some things, like what is it, if you could accomplish one thing or start one thing or, or uh, do something this year to, to strengthen one aspect of your life, what would it be? Or maybe it's the stage of life that you find yourself in. What is the most important thing for you in this stage of your life? Or the question we, we don't like to think about, but maybe we should more often. When all is said and done, and it's, you know, we don't like to talk about this, but the statistics on death is pretty amazing. One out of every one of us will not be here at some point, right? And so when it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? Like, what are the things you want people to say about you? What are those important moments, those important details of your life? Now, the problem with those questions is what do we want right now in this season of life or what do we want in this stage of life or what do we want when it's all said and done? The problem is, as we've been talking about and we, we started on Christmas Eve, is, is the idea of distractions. We get distracted all the time. And there's distractions that sometimes pull us away from what we want and what's most important. Now, we know we need to focus on something, but then something pops up or something distracts us. A few years ago, we were dealing with some issues with our daughter and uh, so we, we tried all these different things and eventually we got to the point where we're sitting down with her doctor and, and we're, we're talking and the words ADHD come up, right? And, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're talking through that and figuring out what our best options are. And so the doctor is kind of going over the list of like all of the symptoms of ADHD. And as they're going over the list of all the symptoms of ADHD, I keep going, I got all those things. Like, and my wife is like, yes, yes, you do. We, we, we all know. We've, we've heard you before. And so, uh, so I'm easily distracted all of the time. Now, here's the thing. And, and we get distracted. And some of us, we can't help it. And we're easily distracted. And some of us, we allow these distractions. But here's the problem, okay? And here's the statement. 
the things I get distracted by are never as important as the thing I get distracted from. You ever think about that? The things, and I know in the moment it's easy to say that, you know, right now, but, but when we're going through it, but just remember the things you get distracted by are never as important as the things you get distracted from. And this is true. Now, there's multiple things that can distract us. And, and some of the things that distract us aren't always bad. Like there, there are these things that just pop up and things we got to deal with. Um, but there are certain things that if you take your eye off the ball and you allow the distractions to build up so much, you could wake up five years down the road, 10 years down the road and realize, oh no, how did I get here? How did I make such a mess in my life? How did I end up on this track that I never remembered choosing, right? Some of us were like, we had these other plans for our life and this was not your dream, but all of a sudden here you are. And so for some of us, maybe it's an important question to ask when we think about this season or this stage or whatever it is, what's the most important thing? Because see, some of the time, you know, it may not be that big of a deal, but the reality is also there may be that one thing that if you pull away from If you lose focus on that one thing, it may potentially impact everything. There's always something that we have to do or things coming up. So it's just important. What's the most important thing? And and so to to remind us of this, we're going to walk through an Old Testament story. Now, we've covered this story before, um, if you've been around here. But this is one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite principles to teach. And in this story is one detail, one statement, one idea that if we could just wrap our minds around and hold on to and remind ourselves of over and over again, it could potentially change everything. Now, the story takes place, it's found in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is an Old Testament uh, book. Now, this story, um, you're going to have to get a little bit of a history lesson. And some of you love the history lessons. Some of you are like, boring, move on. But we got to get through the history to understand the significance. Now, Nehemiah is a Jewish exile, an ancient Jewish exile who lived in Persia. And he's serving under King Artaxerxes I. Now, if you don't know who King Artaxerxes is, for some of you, you at least know who his father-in-law was. And his father-in-law was a guy named Xerxes. Think 300. Remember that guy? Okay, it's okay to admit you saw that movie, all right? So think 300, that's Xerxes. Now, he rules the Persian Empire, and this takes place around 440 BC. Now, part of the Persian Empire was they wanted to conquer all of these regions, all of this land around them, and for Persia to be kind of the main power in the world. So at this point in the story, even though this this Israelite, Nehemiah, is serving under this Persian king, Artaxerxes, this isn't the whole story. At this point, for almost 300 years, Judah has been a vassal state. It's lost its sovereignty as a nation. See, what happened is they were first conquered by the Assyrians. And then after a little bit of time, the Assyrians, because what happened in the ancient world is one power would rise up, then another one. So the Assyrians eventually get captured by the Babylonians. Now, when the Babylonians take over, the Jewish people, specifically this one Jewish king that we'll talk about another time, he gets a little uppity and he's like, hey, we're God's people. Nobody gets to tell us what to do. And the Babylonians are like, okay. And so they come in to the city And they lay ruin to it. They destroy it. And not only do they destroy the city, but they march in and they destroy the temple, which was the identity of these people. It was their source of hope and strength because the temple represented the place that God dwelled amongst them. 
And then eventually as happens, the Persians eventually come up to power and they take over the Babylonians under Cyrus the Great, the Persian king. Now, when Cyrus the Great comes in, what he decides is, hey, we're going to rule the world, or at least this part of the world, but we're going to rule it in a fair way, which means you don't have to be slaves to us. All you have to do is you can go back to your homeland, you can go back to your cities, you can go back to these places, but here's the deal. When you go back to these places, you just always remember that you're under my rule. You can have your governors, you can have your leaders, you can have all this stuff, but you do not forget that at the end of the day, you're a Persian state. You're under the Persian empire and you're under me as your king. And so consequently, the Babylonians had ruined Jerusalem, had ruined Judea, had destroyed the temple, but a few thousand Israelites decided to go back to the city under this new idea that reigns in the Persian Empire. Now, when they get back to the city, you got to remember it's been some time. So they forgot how bad it actually was. Because when the Babylonians came in, they laid siege and they destroyed everything. And when they get back to their home place, they find that the walls are torn down, the gates were burned, the temple has not been rebuilt, it lays in ruins, and things were tough. And so they try to kind of pull together and try to make it work and kind of rebuild the city. And it was very important back then that if you had a large city like that, that you had a gate that went all the way around it so that it could be fortified in some way. And and so they're trying to rebuild the gate and all of this stuff. For over a hundred years, these people are back here. So this is generations of people back here trying to rebuild the city. And so Nehemiah, at this point, his particular family had never left Persia. They chose not to go, so they stayed in Persia. And at this point, he has worked his way up into the ranks, and he is now serving as the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. Now, this is an important job. We think cupbearer, what's that? His job was to make sure that no one tried to harm the king by poisoning them or poisoning the wine or the food or all of these things. And so he is a protector of the king. And so King Artaxerxes trusts Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah, one day, his brother, he's kind of conversing with him. His brother had decided to go back to Judea, and he's visiting. And Nehemiah just asked his brother, like, hey, how are things going, like, in our homeland? How are things going back at home? And Nehemiah's brother has a very rough message for him to hear. He said, for over a hundred years, we've been there working, but it's still in great distress. Jerusalem is still broken down. The gates are not up. The wall is not up. And because there's no temple, there's no central place for these people to find their hope in God. And it's dangerous for the people. People keep coming in and attacking us because the walls aren't fortified. And so every time we rebuild something, somebody finds a hole and they come in and they steal from us and they take from us. And for a hundred years, these people have been living in this situation of constant fear and stress. So Nehemiah, who has not even been to the city as far as we know, but these are his people and this is his God. When he hears these words, the scripture tells us, when he heard these words, he sat down and he wept. What's about to happen is Nehemiah is going to discover his most important thing. So the question is, if we were talking and I was to bring up a subject or a person, or a relationship, or a situation, and it would cause you to weep. You might be catching on to what your thing is, your main thing. So it says that he weeps, and he mourned for days, and he was fasting and praying 
for God. And so all of a sudden his heart is moved because he, he hears this message and he hears this stress that these people are in. And he hears the situation of these people that even though he hasn't seen them, that he loves them because they're his people. And so he comes up with this plan. And his plan is he is going to go to King Artaxerxes, who's the most powerful man in the world. And he goes up to him and he says, hey, um, so, you know, King um, Xerxes, or can I call you that? Can I call you Z? You know, whatever. Can I call you X? What we can call you? And so he goes up to him and he's like, hey, man, um, I was thinking um, I'd like some time off. Oh, yeah, you're a great servant. You know, like how much time do you want off? Like, like a really long time. Like I'd like a really, really long time. Like not just like time off. Like I actually like to go back to my city. Now, you have to understand how bold this is. I mean, Artaxerxes could have got frustrated and mad and just killed Nehemiah and nobody would have said anything. But Nehemiah, in his heart, he knows this is what God is calling him to. And because he's got such a good relationship with Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes says, yeah, you can go. And not only am I going to send you to the city, I am going to make you the governor of that entire region. Which means that if someone messes with you, it's like they're messing with me and ain't nobody going to mess with me. And not only am I going to send you and make you the governor, I'm going to give you the resources you need to rebuild and resurrect the city of your people. Now, you got to understand, this story is amazing. Artaxerxes didn't have to do any of this. But Nehemiah, and this is just kind of a sad little feat, um, Nehemiah, by being a good person, by always willing to do the right thing, by never wavering, by being dependable and trustworthy, even to a foreign king, he establishes this relationship where this guy trusts him. So the point of that, just be a good person. There you go. So Nehemiah puts together a caravan of equipment and he goes to the city. Now, when he gets to the city, he he, he first realizes it's way worse than he imagined. It's terrible. The people are depressed spiritually, emotionally, economically. The city lays in ruins even after 100 years. The people are living in constant fear. Everything is bad. There's no military. There's no way to protect the people and the people that live within the city. And every time, like they said, they rebuild something, somebody comes in and ruins it and takes their resources. And so when he gets there, I mean, it's overwhelming to him, but he knows this is the main thing. And there's an important lesson. Even when it feels overwhelming, listen, if it's the main thing, it's the main thing. And so he comes up with this plan and he spends some time thinking. And he says, I can't just go in there and just say, we're going to change everything. He's got to have a plan. And so he goes in with this incredible vision for the people. And see, what he realizes is everybody's trying to rebuild like these little parts of the city, but there's no like connection here. And so here's what he says. He says, hey, like if you live by the eastern part of the city, okay, if that's like where your territory, what I want you guys to do is just focus on that part. And if you live by the Western gate, you go deal with that part. If you live by the Southern area, you go deal with that part. And what he realizes is, hey, if this is like your home, your property, listen, it's not just the city we're rebuilding. You're rebuilding part of your life. And so all of the people, they start to repair the wall around the city. Now, this is good news that this man has come in and now leading the people. This is good news for Jerusalem. It's good news for the people that live there. But this is not good news for all of the people around the city that have been taking advantage of the situation. And so they begin to attack. 
They start to intimidate the workers. They begin to attack the families of the people rebuilding the wall. And so Nehemiah, he has this moment where he goes, well, this isn't working because people are working, but now they're scared to work again because people are being attacked. And so he calls a big timeout. He says, we got to stop. We got to think about this. And so he reassesses. And that's a good thought, isn't it? See, sometimes we, we know what the main thing is and we need to change the main thing or focus on the main thing, but we get in there and start dealing with the main thing and all of a sudden there's complications, right? You ever had family? They're complicated. I don't know if you guys know that or not, right? You ever been married? It can be complicated. And so they have this plan. They know what needs to be done, but there's all of these outside circumstances. And so he comes up with an even better plan. He says, here's what we're going to do. So if there's 20 of us out here in this area, 10 of you are going to be working. 10 of you, here's some weapons. Your job is just to protect those other 10. And so he starts to arm the people and he gets them working in all of this. And day after day after day, this new system starts to work and the walls are going up and the city's being rebuilt. He's accomplishing this. But then we have to enter the bad guy because there's always a bad guy. This guy's bad bad guy's name is Sanballat. Now Sanballat, see, his problem is, see, when the city was in disarray and he's kind of a powerful man in that region, the people have to turn to him in order to get the resources. But he's also talking out both sides of his mouth. So he's helping the people, but he's also helping the people attack the people because he's just concerned about himself. And this causes a problem. And now here's Nehemiah and he's rallied everybody to this one vision, this one thing that has to be done. And so he decides he has to stop Nehemiah because it's messing with his plan. And so in Nehemiah chapter six, he, he's like, hey, you know what, Nehemiah, let's get together and let's, let's talk. You know, let's go have coffee. Let's go to Starbucks. Let's go to have some lunch. Like, let's, let's, let's meet and let's just chat about all of this. Let's get together. Now, <clears throat> Nehemiah is, is, is a pretty smart guy. And so he realizes kind of the rumors about sound ballot. And so he realizes something must be up. And so he just kind of ignores it at first. And the other problem is what we find out is, as we imagine, Sambalad, he he's not there to help Nehemiah. He wants to harm him. In fact, his plan is he feels like if he can isolate Nehemiah from the people, then he can do him harm and maybe even kill him, which would not be a good idea. This is another point in this story. Because remember, Nehemiah was sent there by King Artaxerxes as a representative of him. So if you mess with Nehemiah, it's like messing with the Persian Empire. Have you ever noticed that some people, when things start to slip out of their control, they start to make really stupid decisions, dumb decisions? And this is what Sam Ballot's doing because he's only focused about himself and not the bigger thing, the greater thing. He's making a bad decision. And so Nehemiah just kind of ignores him. And, and, and so all of a sudden there's this, this tension and all of this stuff going on. And so here's where we're getting there, I promise. So all of this is going on. And, and here's the thing you have to remember. All of us, at some point, we'll be tempted to take our eyes off of the main thing. Every family, every couple, every individual, there's a distraction that can come along and pull us from what we value most, from what's most important. Now, one of the cool things about this story is that Nehemiah doesn't go in with this vision and just tell everybody, here's my vision, you just do it. Now, Nehemiah is not just going to talk. He's going to show people his passion. And so while Nehemiah is giving assignments to everybody, he also gives himself an assignment. So here he is, this great leader who's, who's changing all of this. And not only is he just telling people, he's literally up on the wall working himself. 
He's decided, I'm not just going to say this has to get better. I'm just not going to tell people it has to get better. He realizes he has to do it. See, see parents, because we're talking about child dedication, or husbands or spouses, use it whatever context. Do, do you know the expression, do as I say, not as I do? Just so you know, that doesn't work ever. And the history of it is horrible. And so Nehemiah is like, I'm not just going to say things, I'm going to do it. And so Sam Ballot, he knows where he's at. He's going to be up on the wall. So he sends these messengers. And so imagine this scene. These messengers from Sam Ballot come up to Nehemiah, who's up on the wall. And Nehemiah is looking down at them as he's actually up there physically on the wall, doing the thing that's most important to him that God has called him to. And these messengers are like, hey, you know, Sam Ballot, why don't you just come on down so we can talk and we can chat and we can do this. Here is his distraction. Here is the thing that's about to pull him away from the most important thing. And here is the statement. Here is his response. And this is the response that if you and I could actually internalize when it comes to the main thing. Here's what he says. Nehemiah 6.3. I... I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I mean, isn't that simple? Like, look, I know you want me to come do this. I know that there's this distraction. Listen, I'm just doing some good stuff up here. This is really important. I, I just, I can't come down. I mean, how many people, distractions, temptations that come along in your life? Hey, just come on. You know, I know you got this stuff with your family, but just come over here. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome to be like, hey, I'm doing great work. Sorry. I I just can't. See, when you know what's most important and you've internalized it and you've built everything, so what's most important to you? And and then he follows it up. So not only does he he say this, but he follows it up with with probably the statement that's even more for us to kind of think through. So they keep going, right? And and so he's up there again, physically looking down at him. So it goes on. Here's the rest of the verse. I am doing a great work, so I can't come down. Why should I? Why? Like, why should I stop doing what I'm doing to come meet with you? Why should I stop what I know is the one thing, the most important thing? Why should I stop? Why should I lower myself to do something or lower myself for something that is not as important as what I'm doing right now? Why would you do that? Why would he do that? Why would anybody do that? And yet it happens all the time, doesn't it? He says, go back and tell Sam Ballot, like, I don't have time. And so four times, four times they keep coming back and they keep trying to get Nehemiah to come down from the wall. Four times they send messengers. Now here's why this is really important. Four times and every time Nehemiah tells them the same thing. I can't. Listen, this is, this is my thing. This is, this is the important work that I'm doing. And see, here's what Nehemiah realized that some of us maybe haven't picked up on. This isn't a scheduling conflict. This isn't a schedule issue. It's a priority issue. See, we can always find time to put the wrong things on the calendar, can't we? And for him, it's like, no, I'm not even going to allow that to sneak in. I'm not going to do that because this is the number one thing. And here, here's what, this is, this is the whole point. Nehemiah had predecided 
that there was not going to be anything that was going to pull him away from this. See, in the moment, it's tough sometimes, isn't it? But he had pre-decided, no, this is what I'm doing. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And it doesn't matter if you ask me one time, two times, three times, four times. It doesn't matter. And so here's a question for you. When it comes to the main thing, when it comes to the most important things, what is it that's trying to distract you? And have you pre-decided that I'm not going to let anything pull me away from that? Here's the reality. When you say yes to certain things, by default, it means you're saying no to other things. When you say yes to that person in front of all of those people in that room that are there and you're wearing funky looking clothes and you're going to go have cake afterwards, right? And you say yes, you commit to them. That means automatically you're saying no to some other stuff. And when you have those kids and you, you bring them home from that hospital, which is the scariest moment in the world, right? You remember that first time you brought a kid home and they just put them in the car and they're like, see ya. <laughs> and you're like, what? But because I've said yes to that, I'm saying no to other things. And I've pre-decided these are the most important things. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there are certain hobbies that if you continue to say yes to, there are certain pastimes you continue to say yes to, there are certain kinds of relationships you continue to say yes to, there are certain invitations you continue to say yes to, you will find yourself in a situation one day because you did not pre-decide that those distractions have pulled you away from what you said and intended to be the main things. They can distract you. So let's get real practical. So first of all, because child dedication, so let's talk about parents. Parents, you need to look at those kids and you need to tell yourself, listen, this, and I am pre-deciding that I am doing a great work and there is nothing that's gonna pull me away. One of my favorite quotes by Andy Stanley is this. He says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. So you're doing a great work and you can't come down. Husbands, would you look at your kids and your family and your wife and you remember you're doing a great work and you can't come down. And wives, you need to look at your husband and look at your family and look at everything that's going on and just remind yourself you are doing a great work and you, you, cannot, you cannot come down. In front of us, you know, we're sitting here and we're like, why are we talking about kids and I just want a boyfriend or a girlfriend, right? Singles, listen, <clears throat> you have to decide, pre-decide. By the way, this is the number one advice I give singles all the time. Don't look for the right person, become the right person, and then you'll find the right person. You pre-decide. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Christians, those of us that said we follow Jesus, you have built your life around something. You have pre-decided when you said yes that day in that tub or wherever you, listen, you are pre-deciding. This is the most important thing to me. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Do not get distracted. Do not ever trade the immediate for the ultimate. You'll regret it every time. And so he, he tells these guys, I don't have time. Well, here's the thing. The enemies in your life, the enemies, the distractions, they are relentless and they are relentless in this story as well. And so what they realize is they can't control Nehemiah and they can't get him to come down from the wall. So they start to criticize him and they start to start rumors about him. And here are the rumors. They say, really the reason Nehemiah is fixing the city is because he's going to go up against King Artaxerxes. 
and he's going to try to take on King Artaxerxes. And these are all just lies. These are just things that people are making up. Because have you ever learned that when people can't control you, when they can't get you to bend to their will, when they can't bring you down to their level, they criticize, they start rumors, they make up stuff to attack you. And you know why this works sometimes? Is criticism can get us so off center from what we're actually trying to do. Because here's the thing. When someone criticizes me, I'll just be honest. I want to set them down and I want to talk to them. Because I'm just smart enough with my words and can talk fast enough. I can talk you out of most things. I know who I am. And here's the thing. It distracts me from what's actually the most important thing. And all of a sudden now you're trying to answer all of your critics. And you've gotten completely pulled away from what was most important. And now all of a sudden you're doing things and saying things you never, because you got brought down to their level. So one of my counselors one time told me this, and here's what he says. You are going to get criticized. Here's one of my favorite quotes. You're going to get criticized either way sometimes. So just do the right thing. You're going to get criticized when you make choices and decisions and when you decide this is the main thing and because this is the main thing, it means you don't have time for these things or these people anymore. You're going to get criticized. So just do the right thing. Now, I've got to wrap up because I'm, I'm going over. But here, here's the thing, okay? So all of this happens. He won't come down from the wall. All of this. Now, here's why this story is so amazing. A hundred years, these people have been trying to rebuild the city and protect themselves. A hundred years. Do you know how long it takes Nehemiah? 52 days. In 52 days, One man focused, determined, led by God who says, this is the main thing and nothing's going to pull me away. In 52 days, he accomplishes what it took the other people over a hundred years to even start. Now, this is why this is important because some of us, the big things we got to deal with, these are generational things, aren't they? These are things we didn't sign up for. We inherited. And maybe your dad and his dad, or them and them and them, And in 52 days, this guy says, no, it stops here. Now, one of the coolest things I love about the book of Nehemiah is there's no miracles. You ever read the Bible and and you're like, you're sitting there and you're like, well, I don't relate to this because then God came in and parted the sea or God did this or water turned into wine or, you know, whatever it is. Like, and, and so like, we're always like, well, I can't relate to this because Jesus showed up or God showed up and did this miraculous thing. Do you realize in this story of Nehemiah, there are no miracles. It's literally one guy who feels what God is leading him to, what he's been called to, and he just prioritizes it. He just says, this is the main thing and I'm not going to be distracted by it. I'm not going to let the criticisms get to me. I'm not going to let the rumors get to me. I'm not going to be distracted. This is what God wants me to do. He knew it in his heart. So as you start a new season or you think about your future, here's the question. What is your city wall? What is the most important thing to you right now? that you know without a shadow of a doubt that God is calling you to? Is it your kids? Is it your family? Is it yourself? Whatever it is. And here's the other question. What obstacles do you need to remove? What things do you need to silence out? What things do you need to eliminate? Who do you need to eliminate? And let me be clear, not literally. Do not eliminate anybody, okay? But who is it? Listen, I just got to make that caveat, right? What is it you need to eliminate off your schedule, at least for now? See, your life is built decision by decision. The main thing, the wall that he built was built decision by decision. The thing that's the most important thing to you is built decision by 
decision. And so what is your wall? What is most important? And please do not let those distractions pull you down because I believe you are doing a great work. And why, why? Listen, because for some of us, especially those that's been called to be parents, it's not just about us, is it? There are some bodies and some little somebodies depending on you to stay focused. So what is your wall? What is the great work that you're doing? And you can't come down from it. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of children, the gift of relationship. For some of us, God, it's not children that we're talking about here. It's our marriage or it's these things in our life. And we've been called to these things, these big things, these ideas, these truths, these things that we've predecided we're saying yes to. And so we cannot let the distractions get to us. And so God, give us the strength, give us the wisdom, God, as we take these next few moments and we worship God, for some of us, just allow us in our hearts and our minds just to think through, to mentally kind of process, what is it we've been called to? What are these most important things? And for us in our hearts, just like Nehemiah, to pre-decide there is nothing going to pull me away from this. And so God, give us the wisdom, give us the strength. And in everything we do, God, give us the grace that we need. So we love you and we thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.